Hi, everyone. I'm Tish Conlon with another episode of Tish Talk. Today, I have an absolute treat. I have Maxine Bernier with me today. I'm so excited and thrilled and honored. Um, and for those of you, most of my audience knows Maxine well, respects him absolutely enormously. But for some who are just joining in, and there are some, I want to give you a little bit of uh, Maxime's abbreviated bio. He's done so much good, but he did study commerce uh, in Montreal and then completed a law degree. Um, Max has actually, a lot of you don't realize, a long-standing interest in business and served several financial institutions. So he really knows economics and finance, I think second to none, um, before becoming executive VP of the Montreal Economic Institute in 2005. And he has shifted since 2006 He's been serving Canada and entered politics um, as a conservative MP in his riding. And I think, Maxime, you can correct me, but he won that riding back uh, both several times, uh, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. And, you know, he served several positions, Minister of Industries, Foreign Affairs, and Minister of Small Business. I particularly like that. I've been a small business owner my whole life with a talent solutions company. Um, so he was a member of parliament, everyone, from 2006 to 2019. He really learned the ins and outs, the positive, the negative. And in 2018, he, was, he, he made a big move um, as an independent. And then we'd love to hear more about what made you decide to become independent and then form the PPC. Um, and this has been huge for Canada. The, the good that PPC has done, even though there's not a sitting person yet, I think it, you can't even articulate it because we have pushed the conservatives to be more conservative and there's much more work needed to be done. But the PPC party brings together common sense, which is desperately missing, classic conservatism and libertarianism to create solutions for our 21st century. And the beliefs for those who don't know are four guiding principles, which I think we can all agree on are critical for our country, freedom, responsibility, fairness, and respect. So welcome, Maxime. It is absolutely thrilling to see you. How are you? And happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be with you. And that was that would be a nice discussion. Absolutely. So let's dive in. I know that everyone has uh, some real big worries in Canada. Um, and with the economic situation, uh, the first question I wanted to ask you is the pulsing one about... Uh, what's happening with the Liberal NDP consortium is so devastating for Canada's with inflation, with uh, soaring food prices, with this carbon tax, all of these things. Uh, people are really afraid. And if there is an election, they're, they're thinking, oh, my goodness, the last thing we want is to split the vote. Uh, what do you say to those people who don't want to divide the right? We say we're all conservatives. Where's the, what's the reason why they, they need to get in PPC MPs into government, in your view? Yeah, that's the same argument that they said at the last election and the, the election before. Oh, if you vote for the PPC, uh, you know, you will split the vote. And I said at that time, you know, don't blame me if you have a weak leader uh, like, uh, you know, Aaron O'Toole or Andrew Scheer. And the conservative for me are just conservative in name only. 
and uh, they're not doing what is right for the country. They're not promoting the right policies for the country. They're promoting and they're doing what is popular, you know, uh, regardless of facts or science or common sense. So they're doing politics by survey, by polling, by focus group. We are not doing that. So people, and, and that's the, the conservatives, uh, partisans who are saying, oh, Maxim, we like you, we like your policies, uh, but you know, I don't want to vote for you because I want to get rid of Justin Trudeau. So, you know, they voted for the conservative in 2019 and they had Justin Trudeau. They voted for the conservative in 2021 and they had Justin Trudeau. So what I'm telling them, don't vote against something, vote for something, vote for what you believe. And if you like our platform, support us. And I can tell you that argument about splitting the vote. First, it is not uh, real because they're taking for granted that 100% of our supporters are coming from the Conservative Party of Canada, and they are not. It's about maybe only a third. Another third it's, uh, are people who uh, voted NDP or voted uh, Liberals when Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin were there, or uh, people who never voted so because we are doing politics differently and we can, with our common sense policies, we can attract former NDPs and, and people who are looking at our country and saying, you know, we need to go in another direction. So that's not the case. That's not one on good person of our supporters that are coming from the conservative. And I believe if Pierre Poliev is a real conservative, he will have a lot of support and he may be able to win. That being said, if they don't have a majority, because I'll be uh, honest with you, I don't believe that I'll be prime minister after the next the general election, but I believe that I'll be elected. I believe that some of our candidates will be elected. I believe that we'll do better than 5%, maybe double that, we don't know. And uh, we can be like the NDP, we can be the NDP of the right. You know, with the NDP and Trudeau right now, we have a socialist government and uh, the NDP is uh, pushing Trudeau to the left or to the far left. And what we can do, if you have a minority conservative government, we can uh, be sure that uh, Polyev will be a real conservative and we will support his uh, policies when they will be in line with our platform. So, yes. you know, we can be the uh, insurance uh, policy that Polyev will stay conservative because I believe that to be in government, Polyev and the conservative will do a lot of concession and they will go to the left to please the big GTA in Toronto and also, and also in Vancouver because there's more seats in the big GTA than in all Alberta. So they will go to the left and uh, that's why we cannot, and I don't trust Polyev. Like I said in the beginning, they're conservative only name. So yes. what I'm telling you, vote for your values, vote for what you believe, and we will be able to change this country for the better. Absolutely, I agree. I interviewed a, a woman today 
whose daughter actually committed suicide uh, in university. And this isn't the first time. It's because the draconian lockdowns, now that was provincial, that was a conservative provincial, but there wasn't a peep from the conservatives federally. And we had some of the worst lockdowns, the worst mandates, and it was only PPC who stood against this. And it's been determined conclusively how harmful they were. So if you have a government who isn't prepared to take a leadership role, and leadership is doing what's right, even when it's not popular, at the time, and that's what PPC did. So um, I'm, you know, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, a second question I wanted to ask you: There's so many, uh, you know, real concerns financially, and you have deep knowledge on this. And some of the people I brought to an event we had, where you attended, were absolutely thrilled. They said they had asked Polia, they'd asked everyone about this, and they didn't have a clue about how we can solve some of these deep financial issues. So, you know, we know a financial meltdown is coming. Um, debts, both private and public, are sustaining in the realm. Uh, I don't know if I have the number accurate, but 1.2 trillion is what I was told. And with derivatives, uh, again, after the fiasco last time, they've done it again. And we'll have, uh, you know, we see a meltdown coming that could destroy many lives. Now, do you support restoring uh, sort of a Canadian version of glass seagull in Canada, something that would separate, you know, uh, commercial banking from speculators and that would, you know, maybe maybe stop some of this uh, disaster for regular citizens with something like a bail-in, which, you know, in past we would never have thought would happen in Canada. So what are your thoughts on how we can protect everyday citizens with their money in a bank uh, with these looming numbers? Very scary situation. Yes, so in Canada, you have the Canadian Insurance, uh, Canadian Deposit Insurance Corporation. So if you have money in the bank, your money will be protected up to $100,000. I'm saying uh, protected in brackets because if we have a big financial crisis, uh, you know, it would be so huge that the government won't be able to. Uh, give you your money back. That can happen. Uh, actually, you know, we had the financial crisis in 2008, and we had at that time from different governments, the federal one, the US one, a bailout. So government printed a lot of money to bail out these big banks. And so after the crisis, uh, people must know that in US, in Canada, in other countries, they passed a legislation and that allowed a bail-in. What is a bail-in, like you said? A bail-in is instead of taking taxpayers' money from the government to, to bail out a bank or a big corporation, uh, so what they will do, they will take your deposit, so your money in a bank, that will be your money. So that's why we call that a bail-in. And you, with your money, they will give you a share of a bank, so a participation uh, in the uh, in the property of the bank, uh, in, in exchange of your money to bail in the bank. So they pass these kind of uh, legislation in different countries if we have another financial crisis. So that can happen. Uh, the most <laughs> the most important that we must know is. Uh, you, if you have money in the bank, the best thing that you may have during a crisis like that is to have asset. And I'm not a financial advisor, 
but uh, the best portfolio will be to have 20% of your money in real estate, 25% of your money uh, maybe in the stock market, another 25% in gold or, or natural resources, and maybe only 25% in the bank. So try to have uh, a portfolio that will not only be with actions and stocks in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the stock market or, or money in the bank, try to have more real estate a little bit. So the bail-in can happen. I hope it won't happen, but we never know. We never know what can happen. And actually, we have a crisis right now with the inflation and the Bank of Canada and the Fed in, in US. And we have inflation all across the world because <laughs> these governments did the same thing. They told to their population, stay at home, and don't do anything. We will shut down the economy during COVID-19. That was the COVID hysteria. Stay at home and we will give you money for that. And actually the conservative and Pierre Polier voted for that and the government didn't have that money. So we used the credit card coming from the Bank of Canada and the Bank of Canada printed a lot of money out of thin air. And when you do that, you have inflation. So yes, the inflation came. Now it's about 6% in Canada and inflation is a tax. But you know, I must say that Polyev is speaking against the inflation and he said it's a just inflation. I, yes. must, I must add that it's not a just inflation. It's a just and Pierre inflation oh. because Pierre voted for that, these program. And because of these programs, we created a big deficit. And now we have that inflation. And the inflation will be there for maybe a couple of years. The Bank of Canada tried to raise the interest rate. But the Bank of Canada cannot raise the interest rate to stop inflation. Because if you remember, at the end of the 1970s, in the 1980s, we had huge inflation. And you know we have inflation at 12%. And to fight inflation, the Bank of Canada and the Fed had to raise interest rate at 19%. Oh, so yes. 19% to fight an inflation at 12%. So now, if you look right now, the Bank of Canada and the, the Fed are raising interest rate, but they won't be able to raise interest rate to 7 or 8 or 9% because we have too much debt, like you said in the beginning, corporate debts, personal debts, governmental debts. So it's, it's, it's a big bubble of debts. And so if they're doing that and they want, they're very serious to kill inflation, they will create a big recession. So that's why I believe that maybe this month will be the last time when the Bank of Canada will raise interest rate because we cannot, it will be a big recession. So what will happen, we'll have that inflation that it will be maybe between three and, and 6% and that inflation tax for the next couple of years. So it's, it's a big challenge for everybody. And we must remember why we have that inflation. It's because of these establishment politicians, conservatives, liberals, NDP voted for these big program, instead of saying, you know, we need to protect the most vulnerable, 
and the economy must be open. That's what I said during that time. And you are right about speaking about lockdowns. And you are right about, you know, all these lockdowns were coming from provincial governments, but they were coming from provincial governments. And I'm doing politics at the federal level, but the federal government is responsible of that because the, the Ontario government, the Quebec government, the Saskatchewan government, were able to do these lockdowns because the federal government gave money to Canadians to stay at home. So that's why we have this problem. And, and we the only solution to that is to really balance the budget as soon as possible. And that will be the solution to stop the inflation and to be sure that we won't have a recession. And I must add that Sweden uh, last November they decided to fight inflation. So what they did over there, the central bank raised interest rate, but not enough to stop inflation. So the politicians over there said, we will balance our budget, we will have a surplus, and they did the cut, and now they will have a surplus next year. So that will be the best way to fight inflation. But here in Canada, you have Pierre Poliev that is saying, I like this big <laughs> budget, and so I won't cut the budget. You know, I will maybe change priorities. I will invest or spend in conservative priorities. So for every new dollar of spending, I will cut one dollar of expense. So the budget will be the same, a big fat budget. And if you may remember, the budget before COVID-19 and the budget that we have right now, it's $90 billion more. And Poliev is okay with that. Keep that big budget and it will just, you know, create other expenses, but it will cut, you know, if he's doing a $10 billion expenses, it will cut 10 billion, but that won't solve the problem because the problem is the deficit and the big government. So answering your questions, I believe that the next time will be tough for everybody. So try to, uh, I know that everybody is working hard, but it's, it's a bad news. And be, people must remember that we have that because of bad policy, bad monetary policy and bad fiscal policy. If you were, you know, you've raised some interesting points, um, and I think about this a lot. If you were the prime minister, what we what what we see now is we see a, there's there's a lot of spending, but when you look around your neighborhood and everyone says the same thing, people are haggard and worn. Um, you you run into you talk to people in grocery stores, people are stealing food because they can't afford it. Uh, use of food banks is absolutely astronomical. Mental health issues for our youth is out of control, and there's no program. So, you know, where are they actually spending the money is a question of mine. I don't know where it's going. In addition to no real good programs that helps people who are suffering, people who are poor, people who are disabled, our veterans, uh, people with mental health issues, uh, uh, you know, borderline poverty, single mothers, no, nothing for that. You know, we still have our First Nations don't even have clean water. So where's the money going there? And then you look at Canada, 
you know, I grew up, my father was an engineer, worked for SNC-Lavalin and many other companies, built major dams in uh, hydroelectric in Quebec. I've read about the nation builders in Canada. I grew up hearing about our great nation, our resource sector, and our innovation. That's all gone too. You know, we're, we're funneling back jobs, skilled jobs, turning it into a de-industrialized, low-paying service economy. What would you do differently if you were prime minister to bring back industry, pride in our nation, nationalism, um, you know, help those people on the on the edge as well? Because you can't have no programs, but it just seems like the money is just being siphoned everywhere, but for our own people, you know, and that includes immigration. You know, we're bringing in almost 500,000 immigrants, low skilled, I've heard, you know, and we can't even support people here. Um, it's great to have new people come in and bring skills. You know, I ran a recruitment firm for many years um, and we need certain skills. But when we're not taking care of our own people, we don't have proper housing. Uh, we're not hiring for skills and we're discriminating against certain groups, funneling money off to wars that aren't ours, that are very complex as well. Um, people have a lot of questions. I mean, they don't, a, a lot of Canadians don't support sending money to Ukraine uh, for this conflict, would rather that they worked on peacekeeping. We don't want to escalate, we want to help de-escalate, solve problems. So what would you do differently as a prime minister for Canadians? Yeah, let's start by the inflation. So the way to solve inflation, like I said, it's to balance the budget. The way to balance the budget is to cut spending. And I, will, I can tell you that we can save, like you just said, $5 billion that we are giving to Ukraine. You know, that's not our war. We don't have anything to to we don't have anything to to be to be to be there it's uh, and actually if you look at the history of our country uh, we are a country that is promoting peace making peacekeeping and that must be the position of our country we must try to have a diplomatic solution to that conflict but no escalating always giving more money that we don't have so let's balance the budget cut that 4 billion dollars cut foreign aid you know, we cannot save the world. And, you know, yes, I understand that Canadians are generous, but, you know, we will be there if there's a humanitarian crisis or environmental disaster, but our job is not to build roads in Africa or, or, uh, or, or giving money in, uh, in other countries. We must bring back that money home. We can save another $5 billion there. We can also cut corporate welfare. You know, there's big corporation and they received a lot of money, subsidies from the federal government, Bombardier, GM. But, you know, the little uh, mom, and, <laughs> mom and pop shops in, I don't know, London, Ontario, they won't have any subsidies. It's unfair. We must cut that. We can save another $4 billion there. So there's a way to save without cutting what people need. So that being said, if inflation, balancing the budget. The other thing for the inflation is the Bank of Canada. The Bank of Canada has an inflation target of 2% every year. So 2% inflation. For them, inflation is good. But for me and, and for, for Canadians, inflation is bad. 20% inflation is bad. 6% inflation is bad. 2% inflation is bad. So if you look at the last 10 years, starting in 20, 2012 up to 2022, 
with that 2% inflation target every year, we had 25% inflation. So your dollar that you had in your pocket in 2012, the value of that dollar today is 80 cents. So that's the disaster of inflation. So what we must do, we must tell the Bank of Canada, you must have a zero inflation target like that everybody would keep their purchasing power and everybody will be poor. And also what you can do if you're serious with inflation, you must abolish the cartel in supply management, the cartel in, in, in dairy, poultry and eggs. Canadians right now are paying twice the price for milk, dairy and eggs if you compare that with the prices in the US. It's because we have a cartel that, there, we must abolish that. So Can I interject because I've had a lot of people come up to me. You know, I was proud. I ran in PP, for PPC last time. Um, I, you know, my son plays soccer and one of the individuals there is really involved in the dairy industry. And she said, I would have, you know, I'd vote for you every time, but I work in the dairy industry. And you said, you know what, the quality of the product in the States, you know, the cows they're putting, I forget the chemical now, these hormones in the food. And there's a certain, you know, almost protecting like they do in Quebec, cultural heritage. Some of these people are craftspeople. What do you say there? Because is there a role, you know, you know, this whole thing about globalism is opening it up is good. And we're learning that isn't good. So maybe it is important to balance it with some protectionism. I mean, where where is the where's the wisdom? Would you say in, in learning to balance, you know, uh, our great dairy industry and protect it to a certain point without allowing the products, the prices to go so high that it's not a win win. We want the farmer to win and the and the consumer. Because I mean, I'm I'm big into food, quality food, and I do support our Canadian farmers. So how do we balance that, Maxine? Yes, that's a great question. So absolutely, you're right. Our producers, uh, dairy producers, uh, poultry, they're, it's a great product. It's a great product, and I want them to be able to export that. Now they cannot with that cartel. They can just uh, produce for the Canadian market. So, But also, you're right by saying that milk in the U.S., uh, the producers over there, are giving hormones to their cow and it's going in the milk. But in Canada, we won't do that. So when we will open the border, they will be able, they, the American producers, to sell their products to Canada only if they respect our legislation. If they don't, they won't have the right. So they will have to stop, to get, to stop giving hormones to their cows and that would be the solution. But also at the same time, so for, for the Canadian consumers, they will be able to have good Canadian products or good US products. If not, they won't be able to have that choice. So that's important to say. The other thing is we won't open the borders uh, tomorrow. It, we will give to our producers maybe four to five years to be able to reinvest, to be more productive, to be ready for that. A little bit like uh, the, the federal government did in the 1980s when we had the free trade agreement with US and we had the wine producers in Ontario that were saying, you know, we cannot compete with, compete with the wine coming from California. We don't have the same weather. And so they had uh, 
they had at that time five years to be able to invest, to be able to, to compete. And, and after that, we had a free trade after four or five years. And we still have good wine producers in Ontario right now. So that must be the same. But actually, when Polyev is speaking to fight inflation, he didn't speak about balancing the budget because he won't. So he won't be able to fight inflation. He doesn't want to, uh, you know, <laughs> abolish the cartel in milk, poultry, and eggs. So people will still pay high prices for these products. And he won't say to the Bank of Canada to have a zero inflation target. Actually, he said, yeah, 2% inflation target, it's okay. But you know what happened when you have 2%? I just told you, after 10 years, you have 25% inflation. So that's our solution. That's what we must do. And I believe that the dairy producers understand that. And they know that will be serious. We'll sit at the table with them and we'll look at all the uh, the uh, opportunities that we can give them and giving them the time that they need and the money that they need to be able to be more productive. And that's amazing. I, I, you know, I, a lot of people are wondering, you know, there's a lot of um, mistrust now with government in general, with big government, big business. And when, you know, they think they have to compete evenly, you know, you move from one side, the communist threat, you know, extreme left to the extreme right fascism. So if you open things up too much, the big companies, you know, they'll just win by default. And we see now this happening with farmers, small scale farmers. Now, with all the pressure, they've changed the inheritance taxes. They're putting pressure on them for, you know, nitrogen levels. Um, I think the average person would want to know, like, if I'm supporting PPC, I'm a small business owner how am i going to compete what are you going to do to support me and i do see this because i'm very uh passionate about supporting small business i grew up started my business at university i had to still have it you know and um i see the enormous stresses that small businesses uh go under and they were closed down you know it's not even fair how can you compete they had to close down during the lockdowns and yet they left the walmarts open all the big businesses so i think a lot of people might be saying to you how are you going to help me as a small business person to compete globally when I've got these big guys? I'm really worried about my livelihood and I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. So what would you know, what does PBC do for the small business owner? To, you know, we need small business in Canada. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we must promote uh, entrepreneurship in our country. So uh, first of all, what we must do is less red tape. You know, at the federal government, I don't know how many, you know, uh, how many uh, civil servants that you must uh, be in touch with to be in line with the regulations in your industry and all that. Let's cut that because regulation <coughs> have a huge cost on businesses. Second, the tax system. You know, we must have a flat tax of 10% for every businesses in this country, small business, and that would be important. I want small business entrepreneurs to be able to keep more of their own money in their own pockets. That's part of our proposal. And at the same time, we must promote investment. We want small business owners to be able to invest in their business. And now you have a capital tax on investment, and a goal is to cut that. But the way to do that, and we have to be frank and with people, the way to do that, it's the most important is to balance the budget with all the cuts that I said before. And after that, and I believe that we can do that in four years, 
in one mandate for sure, maybe three years, we can do it. And after that, we lower taxes to small business owners, to Canadians, to everybody, because you know we don't want to create a bigger deficit by giving money that we don't have. Let's put our house in order, like said uh, Jordan Peterson, and we have to do our own work. We have to balance the budget. And after that, we'll be very generous. Our goal is to have a small government in Ottawa that will give you more freedom, more of your own money in your pockets, and that's doable. Excellent. And, you know, I wanted to shift to a, a different topic and maybe we'll circle back to um, more more people are asking me about what you would do about the corruption in government, and which is becoming visible in certain areas. Look at Health Canada now and some of these things that we were told safe and effective or trust the science now. Um, and we're even censored, um, you know, and I've talked to many, many doctors in Canada uh, ones who have, have talked about how, you know, Canadian um, College of, pardon me, College of Physician Surgeons is basically now a rogue organization, out of control corruption. And I think one of our, uh, one of the things we talk about PBC is holding people accountable, holding yourself accountable, being responsible. So, uh, you know, really, maybe we'll just address this now about the, the corruption in government. How will you address that um, and how can you help clean that up? Because a lot of people are becoming very hopeless and some people even say there's not a political solution. I believe absolutely we get, you know, an, just a couple of people with real integrity in government who are accountable and responsible and clean things up. Amazing things could happen. So what's your quick comment on that with the corruption that we're obviously seeing? Even, you know, even my neighbors now who've been liberals their whole life are seeing it. So it's 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 becoming, you know, mainstream, this corruption. Yeah, you just said it. We need to have the right people in parliament. You know, we have a great constitution. We have our charter of rights. And that was not respected during the COVID hysteria and the government violated our rights. Uh, and so, you know, freedom of choice, uh, you know, um, I have a right to travel freely across this country and we didn't have that. They imposed a, a vaccine passport for Canadian travelers. So they didn't respect our charter of rights. So it must start there. We don't need a new charter of rights. We just need to have the people in Ottawa that will respect our rights and our freedoms. And, you know, we need to be there. And that's the first step. And I believe that I said next time we'll have PPC candidates elected and we will do these debates in Parliament. That being said, also, we must be able to have our freedom of speech back. We must be able to be free to say what we want to say on social media. There's a lot of censorship. Just look at uh, Twitter, for example, and Facebook. They censored the other point of view during COVID-19. That must not supposed to happen in a free and democratic country. You need to be able to debate. And we were not able to have debates and they were able to impose their point of view, the government narrative about COVID-19, because they had agreement in the US, actually, we know that, with the big tech corporation, Facebook, Twitter, mm -hmm. and all these big techs to censor US citizens and Canadian citizens. And I was shadow banned on Twitter during COVID-19. So yes, we must, and actually the government right now 
as uh, two legislations in front of parliament and uh, two legislation to censor what you are saying on social media. So we must fight against that. Our proposal to that, it's just to respect our charter of rights, repeal all these legislations and open for debates on everything in a, in a prosperous democracy, uh, in a strong democracy. We must be able to debate and I'm open to that, but the left didn't want us to debate because they know that we will win the argument and that's why they try to censor us. So let's stop that for us, the right people do that fight, fighting about our, our values and fighting for our constitution. And that will, that, that uh, uh, narrative and propaganda and, and all these draconian measures that were imposed on us, it, they it won't happen again if we are able to have the other point of view on social media and real debates. And that's what I believe in. So we will bring more democracy, we will bring more freedom, and uh, that will be the solution. That's why we need the government to be smaller and smaller and smaller. Now the government interfere in your day-to-day -day life. We will stop that. And like you said in the beginning, this party has been created on four principles, individual freedom and personal responsibility. We don't want the government to tell us every day what we have to do or what we cannot do. People must be free and we must trust people. Absolutely. And I wanted to say, because I've, uh, you know, I've only been at this a few years, but almost full time in this freedom movement <laughs> for the last two years, I've learned a lot. But I've seen how when people get together, and it was a large group of PPC leading the way, practically the only party that stood out and spoke out at the time when it was really scary and difficult. Um, but I think we've su succeeded in breaking through this COVID narrative, and it's just about ready to pop mainstream. And that's from the concerted effort of a lot of people. And, you know, number one, of course, um, you know, I think the outcome will be hopefully something like defunding the CBC, which is might as well be called uh, Pfizer.com or Pfizer org, um, as well as Health Canada or, or any other of these, uh, you know, big companies that are sponsoring them. But what it, it appears to me, and it's like almost like uh, Donald Trump had The Apprentice, the show, right? And it, you go around, you do stuff, you spying on you. And the people who came through these major challenges, they were they were hired by the company. And it almost seems to me like COVID should be like that. Whoever had the courage to speak out and do the right thing, you know that already that they're a person of integrity. They're willing to lose a lot. And we should immediately say those are the people who will do the right thing under duress, who have the character, the intelligence to see the propaganda. They should be in our, you know, they should be leading our country. And I, it, for me, it puts a big smile on my face. I imagine um, all the people in PPC who, who sacrifice so much because they do such a great job in parliament in so many roles. So I just wanted to say that, you know, because look, people have to remember it's easy to speak up when it's easy. That's what Poliev's done after the freedom convoy. He was happy to do a photo op, but he wasn't there with you all of the time fighting against the mandate, suing the government for the travel, um, you know, ban things like that. Going in jail to fight for your freedom of choice. And, you know, I was 12 hours in jail in Manitoba because of my philosophy, because of 
what I believe in. And that happened in, uh, in Canada, supposed to be a free country. Uh, yes, I did the fight, but like you said, I want to thank every freedom fighters across this country. We did that, it was not popular, it was not politically correct, but we knew that telling the truth based on facts and on science that you know we will be able to win that debate. And now everybody knows that the vaccine was not effective and was not safe. We have the proof and the data. And we were saying that in the beginning of that pandemic, and yes, I was alone, you know, on the street. I was there with you, with other freedom fighters. And I'm very proud of what we achieved because now, yes, like you said, the mainstream media are speaking a little bit about the real situation concerning COVID-19. So we are winning the battle. Absolutely. And I mean, I feel like that that one battle and you know there's a lot of people you know have been harmed by that so we have to you know we have to remember that and that's why the people who perpetrated this and who willfully went against things when the data and the evidence were there they do need to be held accountable just so we can learn and for the people who've suffered uh enormously whether it's through an injury or um, loss of job there's just countless things we could talk about but now we're moving into another um narrative and this is concerning because the people, you know, beyond the governments, whatever you want to call them, the globalists, they've been at this for decades, centuries. You know, I'm reading about the history of Canada. I read, I read about uh, Diefenbaker and the nation builders and all of the great leaders in Quebec as well. Um, and the next narrative is the, the climate, you know, the climate agenda. We already know about Agenda 2030. They're implementing in uh, municipalities this International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives. You hear about uh, England where they're testing out having little centers, almost like the Hunger Games, where you can't leave this region and they're putting up barriers under the guise of zero carbon, kind of like zero COVID. And, you know, not only is carbon good for us, um, you listen to the lies around this, the, the so-called green products. Imagine everyone having an electric car in Canada. Not only would that be uh, difficult with our grid, but our weather. So what do you say about how we can fight against this next uh, narrative all around the climate? Because even recently, the UN put out something that, no, the ozone layer isn't thinning. So that was nice to see in one of these uh, big, big, big groups. So what do you tell people? Because they're worried about this is the next thing to fight. We don't, it's the Marxism, you know, that the, the rules of, of the COVID climate, you, you're going to be COVID uh, climate lockdowns, and this is the next worry. So what do you, what do you say to hearten people in uh, all across Canada who sees this as the next fraud, the next con job? Not to say there aren't weather events, but this climate is being used as a weapon uh, to further impoverish people because it's all about extracting maximum money uh, into their hands. No, you're absolutely right about that. I believe that it's too bad, but in the near future, these uh, globalists uh, are using and will use the climate uh, to scare people. You know, uh, there's no climate emergency. The climate is changing and will always change. That's the situation. And we must fight that by facts, by reason, uh, by common sense. And for us, you know, we won't do anything as a political party on climate change. 
because we understand that the climate is always changing. So contrary to the conservative and Pierre Polyev, they, uh, they are in line with the Paris Accord. We will withdraw from the Paris Accord. We won't participate in that. And we want to impose a carbon tax. We want to impose more regulations on businesses. Polyev will do that. We won't give subsidies with money that we don't have that would create inflation, subsidies to big corporations to develop you know, new technology. No. So we won't do anything there. We are the only national political party that has a strong platform against climate change and for common sense. So we will always promote that, but I don't want to be alone. Like COVID hysteria, we had the free, <clears throat> sorry, the freedom fighters who were with us. And in that fight, because it will be a big one, we need more Canadians standing up and speaking out for what they believe. Because what is the point to have the best ideas if you keep them for yourself, you need to have the courage of your conviction. And yes, you, you can be active. You can speak to your friends, to your family around you about what you believe with facts, uh, with passion and conviction. And all together, we will be able to fight that uh, socialist and globalist agenda uh, that, that is coming from the World Economic Forum, from the UN, from the World Health Organization. So we won't participate in these organizations because we don't share the same values. We will fight for Canadian and our country first. Excellent. And I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, you're French, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been to, to Quebec many times. I worked uh, actually in uh, city of Quebec for many months as uh, Ministry of Communication after university. And I traveled to uh, France. The love of food and culture is something I love about the Europeans and about the French. And yet, you know, we have really low regulations when it comes to toxic chemicals. And a lot of people here are, you know, for example, gluten intolerant myself included I don't eat the the flour because we're our flour is sprayed like crazy with glyphosate now you know and and Canada allows horrific amounts of this toxic chemical on our food but they already in Europe they're they're very strict because of their protection and love of food so you know we do need to fight against these toxic poisons in our air soil and water and clean them up so I mean I'm all about cleanup you know it's a it's a it's absolute man-made pollution, um, not climate change, that's the issue. Now, is there something you would do to stop all of these toxic chemicals in our food? I mean, we have so many health problems with our SAD diet, SAD diet, standard American diet here in Canada, in the U.S., you know, and, and does the PPC have intentions to help with that, like basic things, cleaning up water and soil in our air? That's important to me, for sure. Absolutely. As you know, I don't want, I don't like, and I don't want too uh, much regulations, but uh, we need regulation in these uh, uh, field because as you know, we want to protect Canadians and you're right. If there's a place for the government, that must be there. People must be able to trust what they can buy, their food, knowing that it would be good without, and if they, if they impose more, uh, uh, 
chemicals on our food, people must know it. And sometimes you don't know it. It must be it must be mandatory to know how that food was created. And, and we don't have that. So yes, I'll be open to have discussion with different groups. And if they have good ideas to be able to fight for what we believe and to, and to be sure that Canadians will be able to buy good and save food for their, for, for their family, I'm 100% for that. Excellent. I know I had the honor of meeting Robert Kennedy Jr. a number of months ago in Tennessee at a, at a conference, and they have a large legal team, and they've come to the conclusion that the FDA is so compromised, it, um, it's so infiltrated by lobbyists and by special interests and by the pharmaceutical sector themselves that it needs to be dismantled. I mean, I've, I'm personally, this is just my opinion, of the same opinion with Health Canada. I've seen gross overreach. Um, I've seen products that are so unsafe put through. So I'm hoping, you know, it's that whole aspect of integrity. You need people with integrity, um, you know, to do the right thing, not be influenced, not be bought off. And that's why this, this COVID era has been a test. You see the character and the integrity with every single PPC person, but you see that other people can be influenced. You know, what would Pierre Poliev do if he knew that all these toxic things were going through? Would he stand up and speak out or would he be hush hush? I mean, you have to be able to do the right thing under duress. And that's why um, I think people do need to start voting for values or, you know, in the future. And hopefully that will mean that we'll have a much, much better government. So one other, uh, you know, a couple other quick questions. I really appreciate this. A lot of people are very worried about the digital currency, this digital ID, digital passport. Think of a digital prison being uh, built. I've watched some really disturbing um podcasts from uh, special like engineers about even how they're doing, you know, with the 5G and the Wi-Fi and everything. And these are technical people who've been at it for years. So it looks very factual. What do you say to people about, you know, uh, whether this could be stopped and uh, what they could do personally? And with, you know, now we have the WHO recommending uh, these totalitarian measures with these global health passports. And it's obvious to everyone else that you know, a lot of people don't want any, any, any more of these vaccines put in their body yet they're mandating them. So what can we, what can we do? And what, what would be your position on that, Maxime? Yeah, we, we are a sovereign country, so we can do what we want in Canada. And we don't have to follow the uh, advice coming from the WHO, coming from other organization, and we won't. And speaking about the central bank digital currency, uh, that that's a project Actually, the federal government gave $17 million to uh, the Bank of Canada and to Finance Canada to work on that project. We don't need a central bank digital currency. That would be a way to control everything that you're doing. You know, they will know where you spend your money, what you're doing with your money, and we believe in privacy. So that project... It's a project that the federal government has, and we will do everything to stop that because the most important for us is privacy, the privacy of Canadians, and we must be able to respect that. But with a central bank digital currency, we won't be able to do that. So we are against that 200%. And about you know a vaccine passport, we have the vaccine passport for Canadian travelers. And I understand that they're working on a kind of another 
vaccine passport, international vaccine passport. We won't go there uh, as, a, as, a, as a political party. And as a country, we must not go there. If they want to impose that, you know, if somebody <laughs> wants to come to Canada, they will have to show only their passport, their traditional passport. That's it. That's all. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so, you know, a couple of people have asked me if I could get your take on our healthcare system, because it's obvious, like a lot of other things, it's come it's completely broken. Um, you know, and I have people telling me they're afraid to go to the hospital. Their loved ones were given drugs that that harm them. We look at how um, remdesivir is being sold and 25 percent kidney failure. Uh, a lot of things, um, uh, you know, even with MAID uh, being rolled out. So, you know, people are afraid uh, of going in. I have someone tell me their mother went in. She wasn't depressed. The, the doctors claim that she had requested MAID and then she was, um, you know, you know, that was the that 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 was very very painful and sad that that happened. So, what would be your solution, or some of the ideas to help reform our, our incredibly broken healthcare system? Corruption. Um, you know, I come from an integrated medicine model on the holistic side. You know, I've seen uh, the deep deep issues uh, with the doctors trusting blindly uh, this prescription drugs, but at the same time. There are some good things with the allopathic system. You break a leg, you know, it's excellent. You're in a car crash. How, but how would we fix our, our broken system? Uh, what's your uh, suggestions? Yeah, concerning the assisted medical assisted suicide, I voted for that when I was in parliament. And at that time, it was supposed only to be for the end of life. And that was it. But now it's not the case. Uh, the federal government and provincial governments are promoting that and we must not you know it must be criminal for a doctor or a medical personnel a nurse to say to somebody you know we can help you there but also if you want we can kill you you can die if you want it must be criminal to do that it must come from the from the family or for that person and, and we must not promote that. And now they want to promote that for younger people. I'm against that. We need to promote life, not death. And that's yes. what not we are doing. So we are against that. And there's a bill in parliament that want to, you know, push uh, the assisted suicide for other circumstances. For us, it must only be at the end of life. And that's it. But that's not the case. And now it's open for almost everybody. It's and, awful. Yeah. It's awful. And I, I wanted to see if you, you'd read this, that they're having people, um, you know, not only are parents terrified because that we've had the worst lockdowns in the world. A lot of kids are depressed. Some of them are on um, anti-anxiety or antidepressant, which can cause suicidal thoughts. It says that. I had just interviewed a lady and her daughter wasn't the first one to commit suicide. A wonderful family too, just a normal family. Um, so it's terrifying for parents to think their child could go to the doctor on their own and as a mature minor say, that's it, I'm done today and never come home. I mean, that must not happen. You know, uh, women who have children who experience postpartum, which is natural and can be easily overcome, now are allowed, and I, this may not be true, you can correct it, but allowed to bring their baby in up to a year old in Canada, no questions asked, euthanasia uh, maids for the baby. These things I believe are um, unacceptable and we've come to an anti-life government 
um and it, it it it's it's a sign that uh you know uh, you know something really rotten at the core must be stopped yeah absolutely you're right about that yeah so um yeah so i mean hopefully we can make some progress with um you know with the healthcare system is there anything else you wanted to say to canadians as the leader of the ppc to hearten them in some in these dark times and and give them a, a vision for the future you see for canada to finish off yeah dish i'm very happy that we had that discussion together that was great and that was a nice opportunity for me to speak about our platform our policies and also what i want to say in the beginning of this year 2023 you know, uh, it can be tough on, on a short term, but I believe that we'll be able together to fight that. The common sense will prevail. It's always the case. It's a question of time. And we must, during a difficult time, we must be together, all that, and fight for what we think will be good for us, for your family, and for your country. And that's why I believe that we'll be able to have that ideological revolution, that common sense revolution that will come in our country, because I trust you. And I believe that all together, we'll be able to have the change that we need and to regain our country. That's why I'm in politics. You know, I don't want to go to the US or to Florida or Texas because we have more freedom over there. Canada is my country. I will fight for what I believe with you, with everybody, and we will win that fight. Oh, thanks so much, Maxime. It's been absolutely amazing to spend this time with you. Thank you so much. You were so generous with your time. You support um, everything that we need to change this country. And I personally just wanted to thank you. I see how, how much you do for so many people. I've seen people come to, uh, I just wanted to tell the audience, people have come to freedom rallies who are very negative and against uh, things. They've come with masks and come really irate. And one of the things you did was you gave them a voice too. You're very respectful to everyone. So I think you'll be a great leader to unite our country. These labels of left and right are ridiculous. You're probably the most uh, centrist. You really go according to the Constitution, according to values and freedoms and rights, respecting everyone. So thank you very much. Merci beaucoup, Maxime. Et bonsoir. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.